Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Politicana. Today, we're on episode 145. My name is Tyler. Of course, you got Pratik and Nick here as well. As always, please follow us. Please share the podcast. Really appreciate it. Even have a TikTok account now. Uh, not fake news on TikTok, so check us out there. Today, of course, we have some big news to talk about. The GOP primary debates, uh, first and foremost. So with that said, Nick, what were your thoughts on the debates? I don't think anyone stood out. If anything, Ramaswamy had a few breakout moments potentially and then got swatted back down. So even though there there are some winners in terms of pure attention, like Ramaswamy, overall, I don't feel like any one candidate actually had a clear moment where they were head and shoulders above the rest. And I don't, ju- I don't think anyone's walking away with a clear win from this. Tyler? Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone's walking away with a clear clear win. But what I will say is airtime matters. The amount of time you're on that screen matters. Because look, we had 12.8 million people tune into this GOP debate. Now, we can contrast that with Trump. He had around 15.5 to 16 million tuning into the GOP debates when he was present back in 2015. So they're still getting a large number of that viewership. A lot of people are tuning in. And when you're on screen more often than other candidates, whether you're being criticized a lot of the time or not, it's going to help you in terms of exposure, getting the American populace to be used to you, essentially. So I do think De- uh, Vivek did stand out a little bit. But first, what I want to bring into the conversation is DeSantis. So DeSantis going in here was supposed to be the number two guy. Now, he's been losing momentum, losing steam for quite a while now. But coming onto this debate stage, it was really, a, in my opinion, a make or break moment for him. Because he was the guy that was supposed to be the guy to go against Trump. The guy that was going to beat Trump. And he, in my opinion, it didn't really show. I felt like his body language signaled that he was kind of nervous. It seemed like he had a lot of talking points and he was very well rehearsed in those talking points, but it was more of what you you expect from him. It was pounding the culture war. I'm going to be your culture warrior, but you're in a race with several other culture warriors that are basically saying the same thing you you are. And in some cases, even in Vivek's case, to a more extreme degree. So I think they're going to actually get that attention that DeSantis could have gotten otherwise. So and I don't know if there was a big winner from these debates, but I thought DeSantis was the loser. Pratik, do you agree with that as a Republican voter? Is that how you feel? I actually think I actually think Ron DeSantis is pretty good. If you look at it from the larger context, Ron DeSantis sounded better than a lot of these other people. He sounded more polished. He looked more polished. He seemed to have his ideas and thoughts together. He also made it so that he wasn't he made sure that he wasn't attacking people. And ironically, it actually benefited him. Because if you really look at this debate in a larger scale, like people like Chris Christie really look like jerks. Like in the end, Ramaswamy obviously is the same context, but Ramaswamy had a Trump type flavor to him that none of these other people really had. But then when you look at when you look at Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis answered each question in a proper and a you know dignified way. He sounded like a genuine politician, and he also sounded like somebody that people can get behind. I think if I was a Democrat. After if you after you watch that whole debate, you would have been like, I like Nikki Haley and I like Ron DeSantis. If you are looking at it from a Republican context, if Donald Trump didn't exist, Ron DeSantis would be the clear front runner after that debate. So to me, I just think Ron DeSantis did a good enough job where he stood out because he sounded normal. He had answers to questions that were a normal answer. And he didn't say anything that was so out of the cusp, which at the end made him stand out over some of these people. 
because in the end he had important things to say he said it in a proper way and he was short concise and to the point and i think that you know we always undervalue that i don't know how far it's going to take him in the long run because i still think donald trump's the candidate regardless of whatever happens but still in the end of the day ron DeSantis didn't hurt himself in any way if anything he made it clear why he is the number two or potentially the number three candidate if ramaswamy beats him in the polls I think he was solid, like you were saying, but I don't think he did anything to differentiate himself. And I don't think he even had that much airtime. For example, I thought that Mike Pence actually did way more for himself. And we've derided Mike Pence time and time again on this show as a do-nothing candidate who has no shot of winning. And yet when it actually came to the debate and it came time for conversations on every single issue, it wasn't Ron DeSantis. It was Mike Pence hammering people on their points. So, Tyler... What did you think about Mike Pence? So um, just just last thoughts on DeSantis. I, so I do disagree with uh, Pratique. I think not criticizing people and being criticized is a hindrance because it goes back to what I said originally. It's airtime. DeSantis was not on the stage that much. He was very short and concise, but that's not helpful when you're supposed to be the leader. You're in a crowded uh, crowded space. You have so many candidates on stage. This At this point in the race, it's really about making yourself stand out. And if I'm trying to pick out of that crowd who really stood out in the debate, I would pick Pence over DeSantis. So that leads me to Mike Pence. I think Mike Pence actually did a great job for the position he's in. We've talked about this before. He's sort of a toxic candidate where so many pro-Trump Republicans just can't stand the guy. They think he was the reason that Trump was ousted from office ultimately. And, you know, I actually think he responded to those questions pretty well. He basically said what he's been saying the whole time, but said it in a more, you know, esteemed manner. I felt that he, he had a presence on that stage. I'm not just watching what people say. I'm watching how they say it and how people respond to them. And to me, I thought Mike Pence looked pretty good up there. He was taking a lot of the attention. I thought he had very solid answers for the questions he would he was asked and got a lot of exposure. And at the end of the day, that matters a lot here. All right, that's what you think. But Pratik is not a fan of Mike Pence. So Pratik, you know, you thought Ron DeSantis did a good showing. What did you think of Mike Pence? He talked a lot. Mike Pence is the most boring candidate that they had on stage. <laughs> Like every time even more Mike than Asa Pence Hutchinson, sleeps, really? Yes, because Asa Hutchinson has like a really weird hillbilly voice. But then you have Mike Pence, <laughs> and Mike Pence. I mean, I'm telling you, man, if that guy became president, more people would be asleep every time the guy talks. And the irony about Mike Pence too is that Mike Pence tried to make it. Like his problem with Mike Pence is all of Mike Pence is similar to what Joe Biden did, I guess, when he was Obama's vice president. But it's like all of the accomplishments that happened under the Trump Pence by Trump Pence Trump Pence presidency was to deal with Mike Pence. Mike Pence did this, and Mike Pence was here, and Mike Pence fought to make America better, and all this. He did other claim stuff. a lot of ownership. And it's true. Yeah. He, yeah, and I think. When you have Donald Trump in the race, that's a blow to BS. That's not going to help you at all whatsoever. Mike Pence just wasted time removing the amount of other people that were able to speak on stage. And to be honest, Mike Pence <laughs> actually sounds like a jerk, dude. Like, you know, when like, Rivek Ramaswamy comes out. Is that really what you got okay. from what he said? He, yeah. did not, he did not come across as antagonistic no. really at all. I mean, he I, called out certain I, things. I think well, so. Well, there was one Because point, yeah. he had a lot of Ramaswamy attacks. He says, mm -hmm. we don't need to bring in a rookie 
Loki, and he talked that about was a good how comment. ages, you know, like you know, Mike Pence has experience. He's been in office for so many years. Ramaswamy doesn't have that same level of experience, so you can't have that guy there. He also has talked about, you know, like in general, he was like going at it only with Ramaswamy because none of the other people really want to antagonize Mike Pence enough because who cares about Mike Pence really? And like the other irony about it is that when Donald Trump is not there, like Mike Pence can take all these like, you know, wins for himself. But as soon as you put Donald Trump on that stage, Mike Pence doesn't have any any claim to fame. Like what is Mike Pence's reality here? Mike Pence is as bad of a candidate as Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson. Because the other two people you don't know. And with Mike Pence, you're like, if he's there, well you're an idiot if you vote for him, I would just vote for Trump. But but are we talking about the actual debate itself? Or are we talking about how useless he is altogether? Because yeah, I I would even agree. Going in to this thing he doesn't stand a chance but it doesn't mean he couldn't have a good performance like i actually think he's probably going to gain a little bit in the polls from this but inevitably he's going to fail as a candidate you're right if donald trump is on stage he's just going to go after pence but i will say for other people that are tepidly supporting trump the other candidates it would be in their best interest to attack mike pence to show those loyal maga supporters that i too hate this guy for doing something he couldn't do anyway you know, at the end of the day, that's what you wanted, right? That's what that's what the MAGA crowd wants. What I've got from this whole thing, and remember we talked about the stuff in the past, like, okay, what will ha- Ron DeSantis really needs to attack Trump. Like, that was the thing. What happened when Ron DeSantis attacked Trump? Ron DeSantis went from 20% to 13% in one week. He had I don't a think larger ever attacked fall. Trump. When did he yeah, attack he Trump? Yeah, he said he lied about the election. Remember two weeks ago? That's when Ron DeSantis literally fell from twenty percent to thirteen percent. Yeah, but on that the stage, the he didn't reiterate drop. that. Yeah, but that's that's why Ron DeSantis he, he raised stands his hand. Out. How slowly? By the way, when when everyone was called like, "Oh, would you support Trump if he went to jail?" Vivek is like the the the, the class. He's like head uh, cheerleader. He, instant, he's the ass kisser. He's like, "I got it, me, me." And then everyone else is like, "Oh, I guess." And then you see DeSantis at the end go, "Yeah, I guess me too." Like, he was the last one to support Trump there. So you're right. That no, did show see, on the stage. At the same time, I think that going against Trump is really dumb if you're trying to win the GOP primary because you have to remember all these people voted for Donald Trump. And Donald Trump's there. Now, Donald Trump wasn't at the debate. So them attacking Trump was kind of pointless. Because as I said earlier, it doesn't really benefit anybody. And at the same time, when you deal with Mike Pence, the biggest issue that I have with Mike Pence is that... Again, he could say all this stuff. He can try to like show that he's the right person and he did all this right stuff on January 6th, blah, 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 blah. But it's like Donald Trump is there. You have to separate yourself from Donald Trump if you want to stand out. And I honestly think that I'm as a Republican voter because I'm the only one out of here that will probably vote Republican regardless. I have to figure out why I would vote for Mike Pence. And if I don't get a clear answer from these debates, whenever you're watching, that, all right, maybe I need to go vote for Mike Pence. Why would I go vote for Mike Pence? And I think if someone that's a Democrat or someone that's an independent or someone that isn't going to vote for that side anyway or sees the benefits and the pros of Mike Pence, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Mike Pence did a fine job. But you as a Republican voter, you're never going to be like, oh, yeah, out of that debate, I'm going to go vote for Mike Pence now. Like, that didn't come across. Like, if I was a voter, if I had to decide between all of these people, I would vote for Doug Burgum over Mike Pence. Because in the end of the day, I don't know what Doug Burgum's going to do. But if you vote for Mike Pence, I mean, like, it's kind of a lost vote because I know he ain't going to win. I would rather just vote for Trump.
That's the problem here. And if I'm a, as a Republican voter, I'm not convinced by that, then Mike Pence hasn't accomplished anything. If anything, Vivek Ramaswamy did a 10 times better job. Even Chris Christie did a 10 times better job than Mike Pence. Because in the end of the day, That's Chris Christie true, had fatigue. some stabs to talk about. With Mike Pence, he didn't say anything or do anything special that would convince me to go vote for the guy. All right, Pratik. Well, that's a very good point about actually voting for the candidates, but purely yeah. just how do they do in the debate? Yeah, Mike Pence did way better, well. way yeah. better than anyone than expected Christie. to, including that's us. That was like, my point. I think the one point I wanted to ask you guys what you thought of the moment First, you, when you give us some commentary. When, You've been asking a lot of questions on. here. No, 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 because this is this is very important <laughs> for Mike Pence. Yeah. Because when Chris Christie and other people on the stage, and the majority of people on the stage. On the one hand, they said that they would vote for Donald Trump, even if he was convicted mm -hmm. and convicted as a felon, they would still vote for him. But on the other hand, or rather, they would be fine with him being the, the president for the Republicans. But on the other hand, what they also said was that Mike Pence did the right thing on January 6th. That's what yep. most of them said on the stage. And I actually thought that that was an important moment. And specifically for Chris Christie, I thought in a way, you know, we, we thought we talked about Chris Christie potentially taking down Trump. In a way, I feel like Chris Christie just offered his head for Mike Pence to step on top of and leapfrog ahead in the race. Where Chris Christie, you know, again, he's trying to go after Trump. That's his M.O. But for, for no reason, it's just like, Mike Pence is the best person to ever exist in this universe. <laughs> yeah. He's so ethical. He didn't say that. Everyone should love Mike Pence. <laughs> what an like, idiot. this man is a, a king amongst men. And, and the thing is, like, that's not good for Chris Christie. And so it, it was just very strange where, for example, with Christie with Vivek, Christie with Pence, I do think that Christie, like, thank God someone on that stage actually said, hey, Trump, you know, screwed up and had issues. I think even Nikki Haley at the very beginning said, it's all these Republicans who are the reason why we have so much so much debt. It's not just the Democrats. The Republicans vote for the debt to be increased every single time and pretend like they've done nothing and it's on them. We need to change that. And so, of course, that all got ignored. But in, in any case, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought of Chris Christie kind of falling on his sword to say, Mike Pence is your guy. He's a decent, you know, this was ethical. This was the right thing to do. And Donald Trump was wrong. Pence was right. What did you guys think of that moment? I think Chris Christie is painting himself as the antithesis to Trump. So I and I was actually quite surprised that he came out and said that. I've never seen someone on a debate stage give such compliments to the guys that they're supposedly running against. He got a like lot I, of audience booze when he was doing it, too. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's like it's one of those things where for me, it's like I see this guy saying this and it's cool to have a guy that actually at least projects that he's standing for some for the constitution for some ethical values he's like pence didn't have a chance to change the election guys how can we say that he was the issue here and he's actually very right there in my opinion i don't think there is a great argument against that because we know pence couldn't really have done anything so to him actually say that it's admirable but does that help you in today's day and age in politics it doesn't so that's that's the, the the issue here, Nick. And not only did he do that, but he also said that Donald Trump disrespected the Constitution and basically held himself above the law of the land. And I thought that was an important part. But then Asa Hutchinson sort of stole the show and said Trump shouldn't even be allowed to run under the 14th Amendment. And that some Republican yeah. or conservative legal scholars think that Trump 
through all the stuff that happened on January 6th shouldn't even be allowed to be a candidate. And I thought that was interesting. I had never heard that before. And so it was like, oh, man, Asa Hutchinson coming out with the big guns. And what's ironic <laughs> is Asa Hutchinson otherwise, I don't think he really mattered a lot. You know, in a way, like they would ask the candidates, for example, the moderators would say, oh, what do you think about, you know, education or whatever? And Asa Hutchinson would be like, oh, in Arkansas, we're, we're so great in all these ways. And I just think he's in a tough position because if you're a governor of New York or, or Florida or a state that's actually doing well, then that's a really big boon. If you're a governor of Arkansas, no one thinks Arkansas is good at education. If you like Google it, it's like 48th in the country. It's terrible for education. And yet every time he's like, oh, my state of Arkansas, we are so great in all these ways. And it's like, no, you're not. I just feel bad for the guy, frankly, because it's like you're repping a brand that just isn't really worth very much to the rest of the mm. country. And so, I mean, I don't want to hate on Arkansas the entire time, but it was just funny well, to have someone. Where, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you don't want to hate on Arkansas, we get hate on North Dakota. I actually no. thought that Doug Burnham did a much better job. He did a good job. job. He did a great job. He did a job. really good job. Like, if you're looking for a guy that actually cares about small town values, he's like, look, I grew up in North Dakota. There was 300 people in my town when I grew up. Small town guy. You know, we got to bring power back to these rural areas. He's likable. Rural areas. He's forgotten people. He's likable. Not the best speaker. He does hiccup every once in a while, which in today's day and age is hard to, to do when you're running for president. He only talks about energy. That's all he, he only talks, talks about, about energy. I thought he was he did better than my my point is I thought he made more of a presence than Asa did, but they're both going to be zero percenters, so we shouldn't waste too too much ta time talking about these guys, you know. Do you want to well, move on know, to Nikki Haley? Or go ahead, I, let's, Let me yeah, talk Pratique, about Hutchinson. Yeah, Pratique, man, go know, ahead. Hillbilly man, marathon over here. <laughs> um, what I would say about Hutchinson is that it was funny that he kept bringing up the fact that he's a public prosecutor. And I think that if you're a Democrat and you're arguing that I'm a public prosecutor, it sounds like a pro. But when you're a Republican and you're talking about the, your fact that you're a public prosecutor, I don't really think Republicans that are voting are going to be like, yes, this is what we need. We need more. We need more federal government. We need more big government telling us what to do. We need all these public prosecutors that are going to fight for the right things. Because in the end, you're a Republican. Not saying that public prosecutors do a bad job or anything. They're good for our country. But overall, like for a Republican Party, that's not a really solid message. And the other problem with Asa Hutchinson is that he doesn't sound good. Like, I, you know, I've, I've criticized people like RFK for sounding like a chain smoker. I've criticized, you know, other people in the past. This guy just has a really, really hillbilly voice. And obviously, if you're a hillbilly, if you're a redneck, that's cool, man. Like, good for you guys. But, like, overall, as a voter, it doesn't really, it's not an appealing voice. Like, you remember when a Barack Obama ran and won? The reason he won is because his voice sounded so much better than John Edwards and Hillary Clinton. Like, hands down. Like, you know, when Barack Obama talked, he sounded like a rewind button, but it was a rewind button that you wanted to keep rewinding so you can listen to what he had to say. But then you listen to these other people, like Asa Hutchinson, it doesn't really have that same flair. And the irony is that Bill Clinton came from the same place that Asa Hutchinson came from. And Bill Clinton was well known as one of the best political presidential speakers we've ever had to date. So, like... To me, I think that if you're going to come from someplace like that, Mike Huckabee was from Arkansas. He sounded fine. Like, Asa Hutchinson just doesn't have that voice. Like, it's bad to criticize somebody about something so minor. 
But in the end of the day, if you don't have a voice that makes you sound like president, you're not going to be president. And it sounds like the most mean and jerk thing to say, but it's like, that's like saying that, you know, if it's like saying anything else, like if there's some kind of really bad default, like, you know, like with RFK, RFK can never be president. The guy sounds like a chain smoker. If your voice is that bad, you ain't going to win. And I think that's why Astrid Hutchinson's done. Well, but having a good voice itself doesn't really matter much. Tim Scott has a really good voice. Did he do anything in the debate? No, he he did nothing. That's true. But it's also presence. And I would say in terms of having a good voice, I would compare it to like a news anchor. Are you going to hire someone that has a terrible voice to be a news anchor? No. Well, a lot of the president's job is to communicate information properly. And if you can't do that, that's an issue, which is why Biden's been called out so much because he just goes off the chains. No one knows what he's talking about half the time. <laughs> um, but anyways, I want to move. We're, we're going to get to Nikki Haley, going to get to Tim Scott. I want to hit Vivek on. now because no, okay. here's the issue. He's he was, in, at least as far as I could tell, the most captivating figure on the stage. So I, I feel like he deserves you know a, a good walkthrough here so walk Vivek, us through it, tyler I, so yeah, i'm gonna just think? give you my perspective so i i think you know his opening and concluding statements were excellent i think he's very well prepared he's clearly a guy that knows how to speak I've, i actually saw his high school graduation he was a valedictorian giving a speech he sounded very similar to how he does today it seems like it's it's a natural thing he's very charismatic um I did a little background on his history, worked at a hedge fund for a number of years, built a biopharmaceutical company that's over $10 billion in the public market now, and then wrote a uh, letter in the Wall Street Journal basically criticizing a few things about the administration, being very pro-Trump. A few of his board members basically quit that day, and he was like, oh man, what do I have to do? He stepped down and then started pursuing this presidential race. But the thing about Vivek is he is so captivating. He knows how to use social media. This is something I knew going into this, and I had predicted he would be over 20% of the polls post um, p- post this debate at some point because he is so well-versed in how to capture people and get to the people he knows he might vote for Great him. Great sound bites, too. And Great sound bites and a lot of his ta- talking points, let's say climate change. Climate change is a hoax. He just goes up and he says climate change is a hoax. Now, what he's doing is he's basically making a bold claim, but it gets attention. People are listening to him. And then he goes, with ESG investing, there are reasons that we can't follow this because it's not great for our economy, X, Y, Z. It's a little more nuanced. But he comes first with that big emotionally charged statement, grabs people's attention, and then you have people attacking him. And the thing is, when you when you only have two hours to speak and there's 25 people on the freaking stage. You need to get that attention to you at any means possible. And this guy knows how to do it because he's a little Trump. He's basically the next step of MAGA. I've talked about before how Trump is not necessarily needed for the MAGA party to continue. It's actually a young, captivating figure like Ramaswamy who could really push the MAGA thing to the next level. He talks a lot about, you know, basically lining himself up to be VP for Trump. He wouldn't admit that, but that's how he comes across. Um, But at the end of the day, he's going to, in my opinion, skyrocket from this. I think he's got the publicity. Pretty much everyone that listened to the debate online said that he won. And by win, people are mostly talking about stage presence. I know politics and the actual issues do matter, but in terms of voting, so much of it is how do you speak? How do you say it? How do you come across against the other people running for office? And at the end of the day, he did a phenomenal job there. So I can't say I'm the biggest fan of so many of his opinions, and you guys are welcome to bring up those opinions. I know we have them written out. Um, But at the end of the day, he, in my opinion, was the big winner from this, if there was a big winner. So I'm going to break down different things that happened with Ramaswamy. 
So the first thing that I think is important before we talk about all the criticisms that got thrown on Ramaswamy, first is that whenever he was asked about Donald Trump, whether he would pardon Donald Trump, uh, Ramaswamy comes out and says that in that on day one, I, you would pardon Donald Trump. I'm the only candidate on the stage with, you know, and then there was a big crowd that that's willing to say that I would pardon Donald Trump. And then he also said, with what Tyler is basically referring to, said, let's speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. To me, I think that's automatically selling that, all right, Trump, if you're watching, if you're listening, look, I'm here. You need to make me vice president because I'm the one that believes in you. And I think in the end, Ramaswamy is exciting to watch. Sure, we can complain about all of his political opinions. Like me as a policy wonk, I don't like Ramaswamy's opinions. I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of crazy opinions out there. Like it's almost like think about that border, you know, like he's going to he's going to you know arm the southern border and all this stuff. With arming the southern border, he's willing to take military down to the southern border to literally shoot down drug cartels. That's his policy. Now, it's not just that. He wants with, to invade Mexico. Yeah. yeah. But see, when you, when you deal with that, when you deal with that policy, you always have to remember there's Donald Trump may be extreme on a lot of these issues that are like what I would call moderate issues. Immigration is not an issue where Republicans or Democrats have really gone gun blazing on until Donald Trump came into the fruition, right? And it's funny, like, there's a limit to how far Donald Trump can go. Like, you know, was it Ramaswamy was like, I'd eliminate the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. Trump never eliminated the Department I of agree. Education. He's a more extreme it's like a lem It's like a limit to how far you can go with MAGA. And Ramaswamy's like, eh, Trump, I know you did your thing, man. I like you. You're the best we've ever had. But what you did, it doesn't go far enough. If you elect me, I'm going to take everything you did and actually take it to the T. Because I'm going to make it happen and actually make America great He talked again. about revolution, dude. He, yeah. he was saying, he do you want someone that wants incremental reform or do you want someone to bring a revolution? That that He actually said that, which did say that. scares should, should probably scare a lot of people. I think it was overshadowed by a lot of the other debate. But that at least scared me. It's like, oh, you're trying to create a revolution here. What does that mean? And, Is it like a Trumpian revolution or like a real revolution? And do, you know? to be honest, that revolution stuff, if I was a Republican... I'm looking at it in this perspective, okay? Sure, I don't like Ramaswamy. I wouldn't vote for Ramaswamy if, unless Ramaswamy was the last Republican candidate there. But at the same time, Ramaswamy is a very different personality. The guy has original ideas. He's the only Republican that didn't say anything on abortion. He, Whenever he came out there, one of the big things that he said gun blazing was, what's this skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here? And then, you know, he got criticized on that. We'll refer to that later. And then the other big thing about Ramaswamy, though, is that you have to remember he's an Indian guy. He's winning the socially conservative base, ironically. And the guy is a Hindu. I mean, you know, we got to put this in perspective here. He did then, say faith in God, singular. Yeah. He, he did say that. I was confused that. by that. I was confused to me, by that. If, like, look, see, I'm looking at it this way. If I ever ran for politics, me being a Hindu would probably be a hindrance to me. But then Ramaswamy is running as a Hindu candidate openly 
and he's still getting that socially conservative base for one reason. The guy is honest about everything that he believes. He may have extreme ideas, he may have crazy thoughts, but I honestly feel like if I was listening and watching Ramaswamy, I feel like out of all these people with their narrated lines and you know they're like you know they have always the political way correct, political correctness a way of saying things, Ramaswamy legitimately believes everything that he said. Apart from maybe climate change. Everything else, he's on point, man. Like, I don't like the guy, but I'm confident that Ramaswamy is like the most isolationist dude. He said that we wouldn't, you know, Ukraine's not a priority for the US and it's gonna be like the Iraq war where we sent troops over there and it's gonna go on forever. Everything that Ramaswamy says, I believe that he believes what he's saying. And he's so confident about what he's saying that if I am don't have any opinions of my own, I'm going to be like, man, that guy believes and knows what he's talking about because he's willing to fight everybody on stage to believe it. And to me, I think if you're the center of attention, if you're being attacked by Chris Christie and Mike Pence and Nikki Haley and all these other randos, like, I think there's something special about you. And whether or not, like, you're going to win or not, it doesn't matter. Because you're the youngest guy on stage. You're the future of the party. Ain't Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum and Tim Scott are not the future of the party. Like, and then Mike Pence is anything but the future of the party. So, to me, I think that Ramaswamy has a thing about him, has a chord that he hits with, pe hits with people. And I think it all revolves around him being genuine. Like, sure, his ideas are wacko. His beliefs are crazy. If I was a policy, I'm, as a policy wonk, I think Ramaswamy would be the worst president to have in terms of foreign policy. But in the end, if I am a voter, I want somebody that is genuinely believing what he believes. And I think this is another benefit that Donald Trump had in the past. I think Ramaswamy genuinely believes every word that he says. And to me, I think that if, if, if I'm a voter, if you have that much confidence in what you're believing and what you're saying, maybe that's how you win the socially conservative base as a Hindu dude running, trying to win Christians. There's a difference. I'll, Nick, I, we got to get you in here, obviously. But yeah. there's a difference between speaking confidently and being confident about your ideas and speaking originally. And I actually am... I, with everything I've said, I'm not actually convinced he believes everything he said. I, I think what happened was Trump was a populist and a lot of those populist ideas get inherited by him because he sees how triggering and engaging they are and how helpful it will be for him to be elected. I Maybe he believes everything he does, but it I would not be surprised if he's just going along with some of these ideas just to get votes, in my opinion. But, but Nick, we got to bring you in here. Um, what are your thoughts on Vivek overall? my thoughts on him um you don't want to you don't want to ask me about the debate because if you ask me about the thoughts they're all going to be negative so are you sure you want to know that well yeah I, look we're trying to speak yeah, openly I, mean, I spoke honestly, about right? mike pence i, I, hey, I, thought, okay. I do want one thing too mm -hmm. i mean nick for all his worth is the democrat that was listening to the republican <laughs> primary so i want to see what his thoughts are as a democrat if he yeah. if out of all these people if you really hate vivek ramaswamy the most i want to understand Easily. why and, you know, yeah. what are your thoughts? One hundred percent. Like, for example, a lot of Democrats or at least like people I know who, you know, they didn't watch the debate. If anything, they were watching recaps today. And frankly, I feel bad for them. I think it's important to actually watch the source material, get your own thoughts in order and not rely on someone else feeding you whatever line. For example, like one point in the debate where uh, Vivek stole what Obama said back in 2008, where he was this Obama said, like, 
who is this skinny brown guy? Or maybe he said skinny brown guy. I have a quote. Like skinny brown guy. Yeah, quote it. I have a quote here. Christy said, and the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. Yeah. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on the stage tonight. And Ramaswamy said, give me a hug and give, yeah, me, give a hug me a hug just like you did to Obama. God, that's funny, that's funny awesome. though. That's funny though. No, it was funny. But the thing is like, I think... As far as actual ideas, going into this, a lot of the messaging for Democrats has been Ron DeSantis is way more extreme than Trump. You do not want him elected because he is so far right on all these cultural issues that it would just be bad for the country and bad for marginalized groups. That's the messaging, at least on the Democrat side. Vivek, I think, is 100% the most dangerous candidate running right now, where all of his stuff on foreign policy climate, whatever. It just shows that the guy has not thought for like two seconds about anything seriously. And that's what kind of bugs me. It's one thing to get up on stage and say a bunch of populist whatever. It's another thing to say, like totally mischaracterize foreign policy events and say, oh man, this is going to be just like another Iraq. Like it's, it's so ahistorical and stupid that like when I hear stuff like that, it's like, wow, this guy just doesn't get it. And when Nikki Haley says, like, hey, this is how it is, like, you have no experience, I'm like, wow, thank God Nikki Haley actually knows something. Like, it's nice. For example, on the climate change stuff, like, Nikki Haley is like, yes, it's real, but, you know, China and India are huge issues, and we need to do something about that because we can't take action in a vacuum. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, okay, look, I can disagree with that, but at least she's like, hey, we have a, we have a problem here. We, maybe we should think about it, and maybe you think about it and decide we should do nothing. But at least you're thinking about it. At least you're like acknowledging that something exists. But, you know, that's just me. That's just climate stuff. But I don't know. Time and time again, I kept thinking to myself that if we were running in 2016, I think Vivek would be a really good candidate. And the main reason is because 2016 was about healthcare. A lot of that conversation was immigration and healthcare. And for Vivek, who has the healthcare background, but he, he would be a very strong candidate. He's and only run it for seven years so that wouldn't he wouldn't have actually had it back then that oh that's very fair but i'm just saying yeah. like if we could like transition a candidate with healthcare sure. experience sure, sure, back sure. in time like that yeah. would have been his race to one run and do well here like all he has are the fringe extreme ideas that are very popular and sound really nice when you hear them but like if they were actually carried out i don't know i this just cemented um at least like my initial impression leaving the debate is that of all the candidates running, even more so than Ron DeSantis, I would not want a Vivek presidency. And it would actually motivate me to go out and vote against him. Whereas some of the others, like Nikki Haley, I'd be like, oh, all right, whatever. I actually thought the pharmaceutical thing would help him. I think drug prices are still a big issue on both sides of the aisle. But I know Pratik has a rebuttal um, for some of your comments. There. Yeah, so what I would say is that when you talked about dangerous and fringe candidates. So my opinion is that there is a branch of the party that is isolationist, okay? And this is why it's, we talked about before. There's a lot of people in our country that do believe that if there is billions of issues going on in the United States, people are dying of hunger, people are dying of poverty, people are dying because they don't have health care, people are dying because there's like some forest fires, people are dying in Maui, things are happening. But we're sending $100 billion to Ukraine instead of spending $100 billion here. That is a valid argument. Whether or not I believe in it and don't believe in it, that's different because I honestly I agree with believe you. that we Isolationism can't change that. as itself is fine as an argument. But what I don't agree with is when Vivek says, 
oh, if we support Ukraine, we're going to force Russia closer to China. And it's like, have you been living under a rock for the past 10 years? That has already happened. It already exists. And for example, when he's talking, yeah. Okay, you're going to say about that? All right. Tell me why, Pratik. Because look, if you're if you're a Republican and you're thinking about it like, oh, China's the biggest enemy, and Doug Burgum kept on referring to this, so like Doug Burgum was all about this in energy. This is all he hey, cared North about. Dakota, and yeah, North, North Dakota, Dakota, small business, Minnesota, but <laughs> small, we'll, we'll small town world. Dakota. But I think um, when it deals with Ramaswamy, I think a lot of these things you are hitting a chord at people. I think that the fact that Ramaswamy went from zero percent to being like potentially the second number in the republican party in less than a month and a half and all these other rando all these other i wouldn't say randos all of these people are all genuine politicians that are running everyone knows who nikki haley is everybody knows who chris christie is ron DeSantis went from being like the future of the party to being like ah he's probably number two right now like there's a lot of these people that you do know you have opinions about him you thought about him everyone knows mike pence people hate him people love him but people know who mike pence is no one loves mike pence i mean i mean mike pence loves mike pence i mean people like mike pence what is this i don't know what are we talking about here i i but not getting into the specifics about, you know, my boy Mike <laughs> Pence. But yeah. what I would say is that Ndiyoth Ramaswamy, he has done something. And I think the fact that he's had all these ideas, whether it's about civic success, whether it's about this, um, you know, stuff about isolationism, whether it's about, you know, him being Trump's puppet, whether it's him about, like, ban- wanting to eliminate the Department of Education, his immigration stuff, all of that stuff combined. I do think that Ramaswamy has done and accomplished more things than all these other people on stage in less than a month and a half. And I think that's that's important because in the end, he only has one way to go and it's up. He has we went from being nothing. Nobody really knew who he was. He has nothing to lose. He went from being 0% to potentially like close to 8 9%. And I think that with all these other people, they're all going a downward trajectory because Donald Trump keeps on coming up in the news because Democrats love doing stuff to Donald Trump. And, you know, the, the, you know there's always some legal court cases going on that keeps propagating him in the news. Apart from that, like, I think all of these other people really need to learn from Ramaswamy. I think Ramaswamy has crazy ideas. He has crazy opinions. All of that stuff, granted. Everything Nick says is granted. If I was a Democrat, I would not vote for Ramaswamy. If it was a general election, Ramaswamy might actually lose because he won't win any moderates to come on his side because he's more right than Donald Trump is. And Donald Trump, for all his worth, is more moderate. He just has wacko ideas on things that are in the middle. And I think when it deals with people like Ramaswamy, in the end, you need these kind of people because these kind of people will change the whole game. You have to remember, in back in the That's day, in 2008, yeah, right? all these dangerous people. In 2008, Barack Obama was dangerous. You had to remember in that aspect, no, it's, Barack it's Obama, from, when Trump he was ran, dangerous. when Barack Obama ran in 2008 against John Edwards and Hillary Clinton, people are like, why the hell is this random dude that has had two years of experience in the Senate that nobody knows, has not, has never really done anything or had any accomplishments? Why is this guy running for president? He has a, is, he has a Muslim last name, middle name, which probably would have hurt him. And, you know, because that's when 9-11 happened around that time period. That was the holy rock war was going on back then. Then you also have to remember with Barack Obama, too, is that in the end 
Barack Obama had much less experience than Hillary Clinton and John Edwards, and Hillary Clinton was presumed to be the nominee before she even decided to run. So all of that stuff granted, if Barack Obama can do it, anyone can do it. And if Ramaswamy sounds better than all of these other people, what did Barack Obama really have to offer? Like, yeah, sure, Barack Obama was a minority. It ain't like Rick Ramaswamy isn't a minority. They're both minorities. Now, if you add that other aspect to it, Barack Obama was speaking about change, but looked like a revolution in 2008. What is Vivek Ramaswamy talking about? Revolution. We need to change the way we do things. Barack Obama had crazy ideas back then compared to what all these genuine politicians, because all these politicians literally believe the same thing as everybody else that is like an establishment politician. All of them all have their own concrete written out points. But then with Ramaswamy, he does have that flavor. And to me, I think even if Ramaswamy can't win, He's just getting started. There's nothing that's going to change here. Maybe the parties go more extreme. Bernie Sanders is the most left-wing wacko there. But in the end, like last election, Barack Obama, uh, Joe Biden had to get all these random people together to not, you know, shut down. Otherwise, Bernie Sanders may have been the candidate and lost to Donald Trump. And to me, I think if Bernie Sanders can do it, if Barack Obama can do it, why can't Vivek Ramaswamy do No, it? he totally can do it. I, I guess I just, I, change for the sake of change isn't always a good thing. Um, but apart from that, I, I just want to make a clear distinction. There's a difference between, you know, policies and an agenda that will work in a campaign, especially a primary, and what will be an effective if you're a leader. So I think when Nick is talking about how I these agree. policies would be horrendous if actually implemented, he's not talking about whether he's going to be popular from these ideas. I think, Nick, you would understand that. I think he's going very popular. to actually, He's yeah. going to get, and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, where they're so emotionally charged. It gets mm -hmm. people talking yeah. about them. He gets visibility. Um, but for me, the, the specific points that get me the most is he'll say something like, we'll support Taiwan as long as we're relying on their semiconductors. For semiconductors, and, yeah. and then when we're not, you know, fuck Like, who em. cares? Yeah. Literally, like, literally, I would not want there. the president actually doing that, you know? Yes. And it is and going yeah. back to the comment about uh, Russia and Ukraine. It's like we're bringing them together. But it's also we're proving that, you know, China can't take Taiwan. These things are much more complicated than at least he presents them to be. And I think that is a lack of experience. He thinks he could just go out and say things confidently and get votes from it. And he absolutely can. But if he was actually put in charge, I worry that he would be so, so lost. And we know he that. has not been in politics for a very long time. He was a lawyer. And that's about as far as his qualifications go to actually being, you know, a, a decent politician. I honestly think, dude, all of these presidents that we think of, none of the people that are experienced ever win. Think about it. John McCain was more experienced than Barack Obama. Did he win? No. Mitt Romney was more experienced than Barack Obama, technically, but not really, but kind of. They were both the same level. He of was an incumbent, though. He didn't like, win. That's, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But being a politician at least once and not, like, Trump was an anomaly. Most of the time, you're at least a politician before you well, become president. Almost you always. also You could also make an argument. George W. Bush was Bush Sr.'s son. I mean, he was a governor for, like, a year. What did he really accomplish? He lost to Al Gore, who was the vice president. Everyone that is more experienced never wins. Donald Trump was the least political experienced guy on that stage than whenever he ran. I mean, apart from Ben Carson, but like, and Ben Carson and Carly Fiorina really don't count. But apart from them, dude, Donald Trump said that our, Carly Fiorina was too ugly for people to vote for her. Like, yeah. dude, it, <laughs> that was a nasty campaign. Can I say one more thing on Vivek, by the way? Because for the climate thing, I just wanted to say it's not that oh oh Nick is just some dumb lib and he just cares about climate. The, the thing that gets me, it's not so much again the the bold claim or whatever. 
it's the lack of any substance to support it. So the same way that I have a problem with Vivek saying that, oh, if we help Ukraine, Russia's going to want to be friends with China, which again, like where have you been for the last you know couple of years? That's already happened. But for, for, for climate change, he'll say, for coal, for example, he'll say, we, we got to get like clean energy is a wet blanket on the economy. We want coal. We want all these fossil, right? That's, that's his stance. And it's like, again, where have you been recently? Coal is dying in the United States. A big reason, as everyone knows, is that natural gas has replaced it. What are you going to say? Hey, natural gas plants, you all need to shut down because we want to bring coal back. That doesn't make any sense. And even if you shut down all the new wind, all the solar, which is cheaper than coal, by the way, even if you did all of that, you would still, then if you wanted to really bring coal back, shut down the natural gas plants, shut down the nuclear plants, shut down all these other plants where it's like, I just think that if it's it's a line that's very popular and it goes back to the election in 2016 with Hillary Clinton's comments about the coal miners and whatever. Um, and Trump really saying, like, she wants to put you out of business. I think you're great. You know, support me because I actually get that your way of life matters. And that was really great messaging. But for Vivek to say, like, oh, we got to go back to coal, it's all nostalgia and it's not actually based in market forces at all. Like, if you look at any investment bank that is ha- has somewhat independent analysis, like Lazard, like any of the other big ones, they will tell you coal is expensive. And that's just how it is. Well, why don't, when, because because Ra- Nick was talking about Ramaswamy, let's talk about Nikki Haley and Ramaswamy's conversation about climate change. Because I think out of all the candidates, like personally, as a policy walk, I like Nikki Haley the most. And I'm sure like I had a, a pen means about Nikki Haley being the best before too. But I've also said Nikki Haley should drop out constantly. Because I think <laughs> that if you can't win, if you can't like get more than 5%, you shouldn't even run. And I honestly think half these people, if you're Chris Christie, if you're Asa Hutchinson, if you're Mike Pence, if you're like Doug Burgum, you shouldn't be on the stage because you're a waste of time. But I think overall, when it comes to Nikki Haley, um, one of the big things that she talked about was whenever she was having her back and forth with Ramaswamy. So whenever we talked about the whole Russia stuff and everything that, um, you know, Ramaswamy was saying, what Nikki Haley said was a win for Russia is a win for China. We have to know that. Ukraine is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand this, he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia, he wants to let China eat Taiwan, and he wants to go and stop funding Israel. Which then after that, Ramaswamy's like, I never said anything about Israel. And then Haley had some argument about it. But that was one conversation that they had. Where Nikki Haley went on, she went on a tear talking about specific things. So she's like, with Ukraine, less than 3.5% of her defense budget has been given to Ukraine. If you look at the percentages per GDP, 11 of them European countries have given more than the US. But what's really important is to go back to when China and Russia held hands, shook hands before the Olympics and named themselves unlimited partners. The point is, is that Nikki Haley has specific details. The other thing about Nikki Haley is she has actual ideas and policies. She's thought about everything that she talks about. And to me, these people never win. These are my favorite people that run in politics. Whether you go back to Jeb Bush, you never got anywhere. Don't Whether say you Amy go Klobuchar. Go back to Democrats like Amy Klobuchar. Don't say and it. Then, oh my god. I mean, she is the most can. She's the most qualified and competent candidate what that Democrats she? had. But hey, Democrats don't <laughs> Dude, care. They're just like the Republicans. People. Dude, oh Democrats god. are just like the Republicans, man. Let's be honest. The way. only reason they have my 
The only reason Joe Biden is the candidate was because Donald Trump was running on the other side. And all the moderates dropped out on purpose to make sure that Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, or Michael Bloomberg didn't win. Oh, man, I guess it was rigged anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's all the same. I mean, we complain about one side. Like, Donald Trump has completely taken over the Republican Party. Democrats, Joe Biden didn't take over the Democratic Party. Joe Biden was literally made to win by all these people dropping out so the DNC can have their candidate of their choice, their poster boy child, you know, the youngest and the brightest they got. Well, yeah, they needed someone to beat Trump. But uh, for example, like the other candidates, I think would have been fine. But again, the argument was they're not going to win against Trump. And therefore, you need Biden. And for, for example, like a lot of people would say that they did Bernie dirty. But the thing is, like Bernie Sanders would never win on his own. Like if you just had like one moderate candidate versus Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders would lose like 99 out of 100 times. But... If you had 10 moderate candidates, Bernie's going to win. And I think that's what, for example, for Vivek, like as long as Tim Scott and Nikki Haley and Burgum and all these other people, as long as they're in the race, Vivek stands out way more. And as a result, he's going to get more votes versus if a bunch of them dropped out, it's like all the moderate Republicans would just go after whatever candidates left and Vivek would get less of the overall vote. Yeah. Well, what's interesting here is that, you know, when if Trump does decide to show up to the next debate, you have to think about how much less airtime a lot of these guys are going to get. Like that was their 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 moment. The reason this first debate was so important is because they had the chance to get more airtime in this debate than they will in any future debate that exists. But he he helped them. But guess what? Very few of them capitalized on. That's why going back to Ron DeSantis, I don't think he stuck out. He did not have enough airtime. He did not come across as strong enough. His body language was beaten by someone like Vivek and that's why Vivek comes out on top and we're we're talking a lot about how you know Vivek's policy positions suck but unfortunately what gets you elected and what it's what it takes to actually run a country are different things and he's very keen on what it takes to get elected just like Trump was I still want to still talk about Nikki Haley one other thing one other thing with Nikki Haley too is that we've talked about the as what I was saying before is like she's competent she has ideas she has opinions One of those things that really stands out is with abortion. I think that, you know, every Republican, this is like every Democrat talking about how they want to go ban guns tomorrow. This is like what their, you know, their big, you know, shiny knight in shining armor is, but they're never able to accomplish anything. Nikki Haley has a similar approach to abortion, where obviously, you know, we talk about abortion. The conversation is Roe v. Wade was shut, shut down abortion. But the other conversation is, is no Republican or Democrat was ever, no, neither of their sides were ever able to consolidate a policy under the Senate and under the House that would have legislatively made abortion legal or illegal. That has never happened before. And the reason it's never happened before is because the Republicans and Democrats never have enough voters to ever accomplish anything in the Senate or in the House, which is part of their low congressional approval rating because they are literally useless, you know, branches of government. So I think the challenge is, is that Nikki Haley brought this up and she basically said that, she, oh, so Mike Pence comes out and he's like 70% of the American people support legislation to ban abortion. And then Nikki Haley said, we have had 45 pro-life senators in over 100 years. So no Republican president can ban abortions any more than no Democrat president could ban all those state laws. 
doesn't mean I mean don't make women feel like they have they have to decide on this issue when you know we don't have 60 Senate votes in the House. She also said she's unapologetically um you know she's unapologetically pro life but believes that you know we shouldn't make this a big deal. We need to allow women the right to choose. We also need to make sure that there's more promotions of um adoptions and all this other stuff. She keeps talking about adoptions. But the main focus with Nikki Haley was she started going off on Mike Pence, where Mike Pence is like 70% of the American people support legislation. And then Haley was like, but 70% of the Senate doesn't. So you have to be honest with the American people. And to me, I think that Nikki Haley is an honest politician. I think honest politicians never win. If honest politicians were to win, we would be somebody like all these people that I really love, all these policy wonks, they'd be all in, they would be all president. But that's not the case. And I think that you have people that are crazies, people that are wackos, and people that are extremes that will always eventually win. Or you will have moderates that are so boring, but they can potentially beat the other person who isn't extreme, be the candidate of the party, like John McCain and Mitt Romney. So I think the same constancy exists with Nikki Haley. Yeah, like even though I criticize Vivek, I think that his messaging is way more effective for the debates. For example... Comparing this to the Democrats, when Elizabeth Warren published like full-on novels of what she was going to do with policy plans in every different stage, no one cared at the end of the day. It's like, that matters if you get elected. But like you were saying, Pratik, like, <laughs> you actually need to go out there and be charismatic and have these punchy one-liners to actually convince people to vote for you. Because as, as much as Nikki Haley may be right about the fact that Republicans cannot ban abortion on a federal level, that, you know, that doesn't matter. Like when Mike Pence said, oh, well, you just need to be a leader. Like that's what leadership is. And I'm going to, Mike Pence is going to ban it on a federal level. And it's like, Mike Pence is totally wrong about that. It's not going to happen. But that sounds way better to Republican voters and way better in the debate to say like, hey, elect me so I can do something versus, oh, well, if we elect this person, I guess, she personally agrees with us, but she's not going to do anything about it. Like, okay, <laughs> like it's not really, I don't know. I think this is why I honestly believe, though, that like when you need to have like problem with the whole election system is we never elect people that are the right person for the job. We always end up electing all these people that are louder, more obnoxious, and just stand out more, more so than electing people that have actually thought their ideas and policies through. Because in the end, you elect them, like all their criticisms are all well, there. So like, like, oh, it's man, like, like a job application, though, for example. Yeah. Like, you split it into like technical knowledge and experience versus the behavioral side of the interview. And it just so happens that in the presidential elections, we really care about the behavioral side of the interview <laughs> and whether or not we actually like the person. That's more so since what, like the 60s, 70s, when people started to be able to actually watch people on TV. Since that Nixon. actually changed the entire dynamic of all these things. Back um, in the day, it was radio. But I, I want to ask you guys, in terms of the debate, something I, I thought about was like the crowd and them cheering and jeering and booing does matter. Do you guys think, like, who is in this crowd? I looked it up. I could not even find who they put in this freaking crowd. But they have some sort of influence, right? Like, what are you guys' thoughts it on does. the crowd and whether or not it plays a factor? Because I, I certainly think it does, and I cannot find information on who was there. And if I was an intelligence operation, for instance, I would have 50 people there cheering for whoever I wanted. Well, Tyler, Pratik and I have talked a lot. How do you feel, for example, yeah. <laughs> if someone makes a point and someone just claps and screams and some some people shriek in the audience and you can hear that? When they do that, how do you actually feel about the point? Do you feel like it's stronger or does it have no effect on you? Um, I, all the ladies shriek for Mike Pence. 
No, but it um, did. It did. <laughs> but but That's look, it, it it plays a factor because, and I know this because, for instance, I'm a fan of mixed martial arts MMA. So when you listen to commentators talk about a fight, um, sometimes the decision will go against what the commentators had said the whole whole fight. They'll say, "Oh, this is a beating one sided." Then the decision comes out and it goes to the other guy, and they're like, "This is rigged. How could that possibly be?" You'll find that a lot of the fan base echoes that same sentiment. But then if you go back and rewatch the fight without any commentary on, you're like, "Oh, this." is actually more reasonable We're, we are creatures that look towards other people to justify what we believe ourselves which is why you know having an audience and cheering and booing matters so much and a lot of those big moments happen because the audience goes crazy when some someone when when chris christie says oh ramaswamy's talking like chat gpt i actually think that didn't get as big of a boom as he was hoping for but those moments where you say something like that and then the crowd pops off they matter so who is in the audience does actually matter I want to know. I don't think it's public information, but I really want to know who's there because I think it plays a big factor. Or I would I would actually prefer it if there weren't people cheering. I know it's not as entertaining. I know Fox wouldn't do that. But at the same time, if we're actually trying to figure out what's going on, that would be more helpful. But we all know that's not what we're, what we're going for. We're going for, you know, who could be the most entertaining, charismatic, gravitating towards them. I think it's a good thing, to be honest, dude. Like, if I'm, if I'm watching something, I mean, imagine you're watching a soccer game. And you're watching the game, and there's, like, no commentary going on. It actually devalues the game. It's like, commentary matters a lot. Commentary keeps you in the game. And I think when it deals with these debates, if there was no crowd jeers, there was no crowd clapping, if there was no crowd booing, it kind of makes it a boring debate. Then you're but better that's off the just point. watching all it's, these clips at home, man. Fatigue, like, dude, this like, is my point. It's not supposed to be as entertaining as it is. Like, that's the worst part of this all. We're a show. We're a political better, show. Though. We like the entertainment value, but that's not what we're, we're supposed to be electing a leader of the country that can actually, you know, contribute to our progress. Not just someone that can speak well or present well. But see, you have to remember, how do polls work? You poll a random set of people and you throw, you know, and then you decide who's going to be number one, who's going to be number two, who's going to be number three, based on a random group of people that you decided to come. Same thing kind of exists with these debates. You're going to have a random group of people. I'm sure there were people that were Democrats that were in that crowd. I'm sure that there's like hardcore no, there right wing. This is the Republican are... primary, Pratik. No, what no, Democrat but... voter is going to be like front and center, like, oh, Mike Pence? Like, no one's going to do that. I mean, I don't know. I feel but like. Do you think there, there are operatives? Are... There's always I mean, a chance. Maybe. I mean, al- I don't there's know. There's always operatives. Someone has some tomatoes to throw at Mike Pence. I would not be surprised if there are, because if I am an organization that wants to influence, that's how you do it. We just talked about how it's effective to cheer a boo. Why would you not, you know, use that lever, at least in my opinion? But but hey, guys, we should probably influence. Let's talk about Tucker Carlson, because he's going to influence the minds of the people. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's Tucker Carlson, but when he has Trump on the side, he's certainly going to do something. So with that, uh, Pratik, you want to read it off for us? So Trump on the Tucker Carlson show, raising middle finger on debate. So Donald Trump opted out of the GOP debate, instead engaging in an online interview with Tucker Carlson, where he repeated his election claims, criticized rivals, and praised January 6th supporters. To justify skipping the debate, Trump cited strong poll numbers and mentioned that Fox News isn't fair to him. The interview appeared on X, formerly known as Twitter. To X is such a stupid name for a company. It but, is. Um, <laughs> but I think out of all that, I y'all listen to him much more. I hadn't really had the chance to fully listen to the entire Trump, you know, Tucker Carlson interview. So Nick and Tyler, what are your thoughts on the Tucker Carlson interview? What Donald Trump did, what Donald Trump said, and we just started with Nick. 
What was fashionable fashionable about Donald Trump on the Tucker Carlson interview? Fashionable? Nothing, yeah. dude. Donald Trump is like a lot less energy than he was the last time around. Like this is not the same Trump. I genuinely do believe that just listening to it. Like a lot of it was Tucker like leading him by the hand from topic to topic and saying like, "Oh, Trump, isn't this so bad?" and Trump would say, "Yes, Tucker, I, I think this is very bad." And these people, <laughs> these aren't good people. These people, in fact, are bad people. And that's kind of how it went. So, yeah. Tyler, what were your thoughts on it? Well, it, I really don't like certain Tucker Carlson interviews. I don't listen to him much because that's what he does. He finds someone he likes and he goes, oh, look at this thing we agree on. He's like, oh, yeah, frick, yeah, I, I agree on that. And, he talked and about like Jeffrey saying, Epstein. He's like, Trump, do you think Epstein <laughs> killed himself? And Trump was like, oh, I don't know about that. He's like, I, I think it's ridiculous that people are saying that he killed himself. I, yeah. I think you would agree, right? And Trump would be like... Yeah, you know, they didn't have cameras, they didn't do this, and it's like, wow, are we talking? <laughs> no. It's like asking Chris Christie about the aliens. Anyway, yes. so so Trump seemed to be at like 80% capacity, but here's the thing, in 80% capacity, Trump is still a formidable force. I don't think that it yes. negates him and takes him away immediately. In terms of effectiveness, I think it was somewhat effective to branch off his, and do his own interview, but at the end of the day... The, we're talking a lot more about these other candidates now than we would have if Trump were on stage. If Trump were on stage, all the news would be about Trump. You would say, oh, there was that Vivek guy. He's a little Trump. But then who else would you talk about? You talk about Christie commenting and attacking Trump. You talk about, you know, Asa just talking about Asa stuff. But like you wouldn't, you wouldn't really, you, they would not be getting anything nearly Asa as much. stuff. Even Trump said that. Trump said he has some nickname for him. And then Tucker's like, oh, what is that nickname for Asa mean? And Trump is like, yeah. uh, I can't say it. It's, it's too. Yeah. It's but look, and look, at the end of the day, I think Trump should, he, I think he, he has to appear at these next debates. If he does, starts not appearing, he starts to get lost in the conversation a bit and all that power he has is going to start to whittle away when you have such a powerful force like Vivek who's basically capturing that same ideas from that same base. Lastly, I just want to say Trump is back on Twitter. He officially posted his own mugshot to Twitter. Something else that we should probably talk about, the fact that the president has a mugshot. We know he was rehearsing that mugshot, you know, for weeks probably leading up to this point because now it's going to be a fixture in his campaign. He's going to be selling t-shirts and saying, look what they did to me. Look what the deep state to me, did to me. What are you going to do about it. Are you going to vote for me or are you going to let dog. me die after everything I've done for you? But I just wanted to leave that there. What are your guys' thoughts on Trump and this interview and getting, you know, a mugshot? I think the biggest thing about Trump is that the news keeps him alive. I, if anything, I really want to tell all these legal experts and all these legal people and all these news people and all these like lawyers and judge the justice system, just calm down until the election is done. And then y'all can continue your election, you know, your proceedings, because in the end, they're the reason why Donald Trump's number one right now. It's not Donald Trump. It's because the news keeps on talking about him. There's a new indictment that comes out every week. Like, there's all this other crap going on. Like, nobody is it's to the point where nobody cares, dude. But he got like, a mugshot. Hold on. If, Hold on. If, he got a mugshot. That's a, yeah, real, that's a real tangible. I think, look, I'll just say it this way. If Trump actually did any kind of crime, at this point, no Republican is not going to vote for Trump because he committed some kind of crime. Because there's a new crime that comes out every week. It's falling right into the Trump ladder that they're after me. And literally, like, there's a new thing coming out every week. They don't have anything else better to talk about other than Trump. I do think also that leads into his message. Trump doesn't have to do as much. He doesn't even have to say as much. All these other randos are just killing themselves off by everyone's mom, dad, and sister running for president still. Like, they all need to drop out tomorrow if they don't want Trump. Otherwise, Trump's the candidate. 
But I think the other factor with all this stuff is that if Trump has committed a crime and if Trump has been proven guilty, if there was one investigation or two investigations going on, it would be okay. But now there's like 50 investigations going on. There's four, When there's so much... Yeah, it was four, but then there's this something going on in New York, and then they got some other random scandal going on somewhere yeah, else. All and then, different things, yeah. Yeah, and it's like they have so it many counts of so many somewhat. things. And yeah. to me, if as a Republican, you always have to remember, whether or not you're really on the Trump train or whether you're not on the Trump train, you always will believe. All Republicans, as Democrats, both sides are always victim-playing, okay? We like to complain about Republicans victim-playing. Democrats victim-play all the time. When Donald Trump was president, everybody's problems was because of Donald Trump. Everything well, Trump bad is the that biggest happened, victim himself. Yeah, but it's the same He's thing. He's like, it's Fox News isn't nice to me. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah <laughs> he said he elected. didn't do the debate like, because he wanted to piss off the Murdochs. He was vindictive about it, basically. But see, like, what I would say is, like, if on the flip side... All sides do the same stuff. Like, they like to complain about everybody else's, all their problems because of other people. And I think with Donald Trump, he does that too. But you also have to remember that whenever there's all these scandals and things going on, it kind of justifies Donald Trump's argument to the Republican people that voted for him four years ago. They're going to vote for Donald Trump again if Donald Trump's the candidate. They may be more Ramaswamy or they may be more DeSantis or they may love Mike Pence with a passion. I don't really know those people, but those people are funny to me. But in the end, those people in the end of the day will still consolidate, consolidate around Donald Trump if Donald Trump's the candidate. So... Donald Trump literally doing anything or not doing anything or saying something or not saying anything is irrelevant because the media, the news, all these legal experts, all these legal cases going on, they're the reason why Donald Trump is number one. Before Donald Trump had Mar-a-Lago and the January 6th committee come out because they like to talk about Trump literally the day after he was done, like they dragged it out for four years. Well, the Mar-a-Lago documents was bad. Like he clearly messed up Even then though, if Mar-a-Lago was his only scandal... Maybe. But he's had a new scandal come out every week after Mar-a-Lago where every every other week where there's a Hunter Biden story, the next day has to be like some document that they uncovered in the Mar-a-Lago scandal that everybody knew about like three years ago. Like you don't have anything new or, you know, substantive anymore to the point where it's like it's kind of killing off the conversation that Trump did something bad. Because if anything, if I'm a Republican person, I'm just going to start voting for Trump now because, you know, they keep attacking the guy like, dude, y'all need to calm down because you attacking the candidate that all the Republicans voted for in the end is an attack on the person that is voting because in the end somebody like Mike Pence can't really go off and decide to go punch Donald Trump because in the end that's going to kill off Mike Pence in the end all of that stuff is relative where Donald Trump doing something or not doing anything becomes irrelevant because of the news the news doesn't want Donald Trump don't talk about him. Otherwise, Democrats should say thank you to thank you to the news to make because Donald Trump is the candidate of the Republican Party again. Now I don't know if I fully agree because, for example, if Donald Trump did like his fa- classic, like if he shot someone on Fifth Avenue, like he would be fine. I think if he actually did something like that, then I don't think. Be fine, but... I think if he did something like that and he was convicted, I don't think Republican voters would think oh, wow, this is an attack on me, the fact that he's getting arrested for murdering it, someone it in the middle of broad daylight. What it is. I don't... Pratik, the fact that you're saying it depends is... 
I don't know. Yeah. I think it's like, <laughs> I think it would be clear. I, hopefully, yeah. like I'm yeah. slightly concerned that it's not clear. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you gonna say? It depends. It's like, oh, did the person deserve it? No, no. What, but it depends the, do they on looking? the. Yeah. It depends on the specific crime, dude. Like, sure. Well, that's January why I said 6th, no, no, no. Hold on, hold like, on. Let me take it to the interview. So for January sixth, he complained about Mike Pence. Tucker Carlson tried to say, oh, you know, you're really nice to Mike Pence, aren't you? And Trump is like, yeah, I am. And then Tucker was like. He, he really messed up on January 6th, don't you think? And Well, he didn't really say that exactly, but Trump was able to, prompted by Tucker, to sort of, in a rebuttal to what happened on the debate stage, granted it was recorded before the debate happened, but Trump basically said that Mike Pence could have changed the election. He could have done it, he should have done it, and he didn't. And so that's what Trump reiterated during that interview. I thought it was really interesting where, again, during the debate, people said Mike Pence did the right thing, and then here is Trump on Tucker Carlson's show saying Mike Pence did the wrong thing. Except and so, Ramaswamy, and that's why he's going to be number two, man. That's fair. I actually I actually <laughs> think a point of conversation here is, Nick, we were both mentioning, we saw something lesser in Trump from that Carlson. He, he yeah. just did, it, it, it just seemed, there was something that just seemed, he looked a little grayer. It just seemed like there's just something that wasn't popping as much. Maybe it's just because we're so familiar with his interviews and he's basically regurgitating anything he's ever said. Like, if you've seen one Trump interview, you've seen this interview. It's very similar. But what I will say is I think there are a lot of people, and I think Pratik, to you to some degree, are underestimating how much of the MAGA base Vivek is going to be able to capture. Because he is the younger more formidable, more he charismatic, repeat, more ener- hold on, more energetic version of Trump, and the movement no longer requires that Trump be at the helm. And that's the biggest issue here. It's like Trump's ideas could be so popular. He could be seen as, as this great president, but he could also not be seen as the person that's going to win this election and carry forward what he promised to bring with MAGA. Because he didn't complete everything he wanted to do. And I, I think there is some sentiment that's going to be growing that's going to signal that you might not need Trump as much as you did before. And that should worry Trump. And he he should be more outspoken because of that, in my opinion. But do you want Coke Zero or do you want the original Coke? Do you want classic Coke? That's Dude, what Trump I like, is. I like Trump is Coke, classic man. Coke. <laughs> and there's no way someone is But if someone a took a dump iteration. in my Coke and he got indicted... <laughs> And you know, there's a mugshot. Has lost the Senate. Has lost the House. Look, <laughs> like, look. At the end of the, there is going to be a tipping point. It, he's human. We like. He's you know. We talk about him. He's Jesus. This is or his whatever, last hurrah, like, though, Tyler. This is his last. This hurrah, is his but, last time in the spotlight. Yeah, but it, it doesn't mean you go out with a bang. You know, oftentimes it's with a whimper. So in we'll, we'll see what happens. I. Well, who knows? The, one really interesting thing, by the way, for I was listening to NPR this morning, and they had a legal expert on to talk about the Georgia case that was going on with Trump and his associates. And for Trump, I thought this was really, really interesting about Georgia. If Trump goes and if they try to indict him federally. It can go up through the courts. The Supreme Court could challenge it. You know, all the people he put on the Supreme Court, that could be a potential, like, that's one idea of him sort of being pardoned from things. Another thing, Vivek said it on the stage, as did some other candidates, that they would pardon Trump if they were elected president. So that's another out if it's in the federal system. But in Georgia, what's really interesting about Georgia is that if Trump were to be indicted in Georgia, if Trump was a felon in Georgia, the president of the United States has no jurisdiction to go ahead and pardon him and neither does the governor of georgia who's a republican the governor of georgia would have no say to actually pardon trump and if anything it's like it goes right back to the court system in georgia and i just think that's really interesting because like you're going to hear a lot of candidates say that they would pardon trump but if he's actually found guilty in this georgia georgia case 
they can't do that. So mm. I just thought that was an interesting fact. That is an interesting point. And I also think Trump being back on Twitter, if he's actually back on Twitter, might be a boon for him. Simply by getting more exposure. We talked about it before. He didn't he didn't have quite the reach on Truth Social. People talked about it in the news, but you know, a lot of journalists journalists just frequent Twitter or X now much more often than they do. And you know, Elon wants to be social. loved. So if Trump posts something, Elon's going to blow it up. And Elon knows that That's Trump is going to drive a lot of engagement to the platform. And so it's it's yeah. going to be it's going to be network effects. It's going to be a yeah. virtuous cycle. Musk literally came out and said this is amazing. He's been commenting on Trump's posts saying how great this is cuz that dude's been waiting for Trump this whole time to get back on Twitter and the catalyst apparently was Tucker Carlson who now runs his video streams through Twitter. Maybe but at the end of the happens. day, if we're just giving a flat benefit or or you know negative for Trump for doing this instead of appearing at the debate, what are your guys thoughts? Did he win? Was Trump a big loser or big winner from this? I think it's um I wouldn't say he won or lost. He tied. I think no, unacceptable. Was, Did he lean more to I winning or losing? No I ties allowed. Because in the Boo. end, I would argue that yeah, like Trump should have showed up to this debate. But Trump showing up to this debate may have potentially, you know, made somebody else stand up. In the end, after this debate, Asa, Asa Hutchinson didn't do anything to stand out. Tim Scott is useless. Um, what is it? Doug Burgum is pointless. Then you got Mike Pence. Mike Pence can't win without Donald Trump's, you know, you know, saying things that Donald Trump did when he was president. And then you have, you know, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy. I think Ron DeSantis proved why he has a 20% base. Um, what is it? Now, now it's 13%. So I should say 13% base. Nikki Haley proved that she's sounds better than all these people and she's more intelligent, but she's still going to be at five, 7%. And then Viva Gramaswamy is tagged to be Donald Trump's vice president. In the end, Donald Trump's still going to be number one. Had he shown up to this debate, he would have still been number one. Donald Trump not showing up to this debate is not going to make him lose any people. He's just not going to gain any people. He's going to be where he is. So I think in the end, it's trying to debate whether it was beneficial to Trump to show up or not show up. I think it wouldn't have mattered. If Trump showed up to this debate, he would have been the center of the spotlight. He would have been the point of the conversation. And in the end, he would have probably gone up a few percentage points. But if he because he didn't show up to this debate, he's not going to lose anything. And he's still up by like 25 to 30 percent, like he was saying on the Tucker Carlson show, because it's true. So I don't know, like if, if Donald Trump showed up to this debate, would it have changed anything? If you as a voter, are you going to change your mind whether you're going to vote for Donald Trump or not? Probably not. And I think the news helps you out there, too, because they're going to give you put him in jail eventually. So he's going to be more in the news. The one thing, the one reason why I'm really glad that he's in the race is because it delays another Ted Cruz run for president, okay? <laughs> Ted Cruz, I think, is so unlikable, such a weird oh, guy, man. that I don't want him being president, and as long as Trump's in the race, Ted knows his place, okay? The second Trump was like won the last time, Ted, Trump insulted Ted Cruz's wife. He called her ugly. He's basically like, Trump was like, my wife is way hotter than Ted Cruz's wife. He insulted how Ted looked. He called him the Zodiac killer. Yeah. Trump called him all this stuff, right? Or maybe it was Ted Cruz's father or whatever. Trump insulted Ted Cruz the entire time. And then the second Trump wins, Ted Cruz is like, you know what? I like Donald Trump. And this it's like, is Ted why Cruz, I like Jeb yeah. Bush. Sack up, dude. Sack up. And Nick. Would you pick Vivek or Ted Cruz? Uh, I would pick Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> My whole point basically with that is 
Yeah, Ted Cruz isn't in the race, but I know how much you hate this Vivek guy. So. But see, I think Vivek Ramaswamy proved that he's going to be Trump's vice president. And Trump not showing up to the debate, if it was to find out who we'd potentially choose as his vice president, I think he figured it out. So with Donald Trump's case, he's still going to be the Republican Party candidate anyway. So now he has a he has a he has somebody to run with, which he didn't know before. The well, debate. so I heard I heard a counterpoint to this. Someone said it, it, it'll be really hard for him to pick Vivek because he's too charismatic. He's too he attracts too much attention. Trump doesn't want the spotlight off of him. And if you have a guy True. like Vivek at your side, guess who's getting the attention? So I actually heard that because well, of that, that's the reason he might not actually be Vivek's going to be like the prettiest girl at the ball. It's like the Cinderella sisters trying to prevent her yeah. from going. You know, Trump yeah. can't let him have the spotlight. So well, it's true, though. Dude, but, but these are big egos we're, we're talking about here. But think about this, though. Who was his vice president? It was Mike Pence. The problem yeah, is, is that Mike, Mike Pence, Pence didn't... But what I'd yeah. say, did Mike Pence help Donald Trump win? No. Did Mike Pence do anything? Well, no, he did, though. Donald he Trump? did a little. Because it was a close election. Yeah. And there were certain states where he got votes because of that conservative Vivek Ramaswamy, I guarantee you that he's going to win every single Indian person to go vote for them for Donald the, the Trump. You're 2% of the population, dude. Who cares? That's 2% Come, that he may have had before. And hey, in hey the Tyler, end, you, have you to pick remember, up milk off the shelf. 2%, it gets the job done. Oh, give You me have to remember break. that in the end, you, we talk about all these minority 2% lead in your water. We talk about all this the minority. election was decided by 2%. But we talk about all this <laughs> minority involvement and how, like, the Republican Party doesn't really, like, try to, you know, cast themselves to try to win the minority involvement. In the end, it's an old guy versus an old guy versus two one person that's half black and half Indian as a vice president, and another person that's half that's Indian as vice president. In the end, it balances things out. And I think that if I am a minority voter, because I am a minority voter, if you wanted to try to get minorities to come out and vote, there's a reason why Barack Obama won. And it's not because he was the most qualified candidate on stage. Hillary Clinton and John Edwards were much more qualified than, than Barack Obama in 2008. So being qualified doesn't matter. But if he's able to capture 20% of the vote after this debate, maybe Ramaswamy is good to have. Because Trump has 50%, Ramaswamy has 20%, that's 70% of the party. All of these other 21 losers are losers because they have nothing to stand for. What, are they, what is their benefit in this whole election anymore? And yeah. I don't know if Ramaswamy is going to jump that much. It's a weird prediction. But potentially, after all these other randos drop out, because what's the point of Chris Christie, Doug Burgum, and all these other losers? You need to have less losers in the election so the people that are less, that are not um, as much of losers, have a chance to stand out. And yeah, I think being a loser all of that spectrum. stuff. All of that stuff on the loser <laughs> spectrum benefits benefits Donald Trump because if all these people do decide to go vote for Ramaswamy, because we don't know, we don't know. I don't think Ron DeSantis voters are going to just switch to Ramaswamy, but I also I think, think that Ron DeSantis and Ramaswamy are going to be there for the long haul. But I don't think that somebody like Chris Christie, Doug Burgum, Asa Hutchison, and that weird elder guy who I have no idea who he still is, those guys are pointless. I want Suarez to drop out. If you can't get more than 0% in your election, you shouldn't be running. If anything, you're a disgrace to yourself. 
Like you're like, how many people <laughs> want you to run? Nobody. I have zero. He's giving the tough love from Indian parents perspective. I know, right? Like, yeah. if you're Look. if you're that much of a loser, it kind of reminds me of our gaff of the week. So let's talk about our gaff. That's of the a good week, point. People. So gaff of the week. What do we have here? This happened, I, I believe, at the end of last week. So we had uh, Joe Biden. He was in Hawaii, of course, for these fires that are going on. He was sitting, you know, I, I think it was sort of like a church or something. But he basically fell asleep while the the talk was happening for a good fifteen seconds just straight up snoozing the dude's 81 years old he's passing out everywhere he has gaps all the time look we're talking about all the gop candidates at least none of them literally fell asleep at the wheel um just excluding mitch mcconnell who's not running but you know he's in the republican party so what are you guys thoughts on biden you know falling asleep at a you know significant like event tim scott in was asleep man i feel like tim scott was out of it the whole like oh he looked a little bit out of it didn't he? <laughs> he he was not he was not as comfortable as i've seen him be like when he's speaking alone on stage for sure dude asa hutchinson did better than tim scott and that's kind of sad because asa hutchinson sounds terrible they were both but zero percenters <laughs> in my eyes nick what's your thoughts man your president fell asleep Again, we don't know if he did, though. There's conservative pundits saying that he did, and then CNN is trying to deny the okay. fact hey, that he did. Those are some long flights, know. all right? I would be falling asleep, <laughs> too. It doesn't matter what the occasion is. I would pass out. You know, it's, hey, man. I don't know, you're he getting cares old, more you gotta about take Ukraine a nap. Than he does Which, Maui. by the way, dude, for Trump, and what's so funny to me about Trump, he's like, Joe Biden's on the beach. He should be in the White House working. It's oh, he like did Trump, the same shit. Trump was gone all the time <laughs> golfing. golfing. Oh after God. he ran and said, I'll be in the White House every single day. And then he would just go yeah. golf. I mean, look, it's just how it, it's just how it is. I get it. You got to have some breaks. But yeah, not a good look. I can, I can say that honestly. It's not a good look for Biden to kind of fall asleep during this thing. It's a terrible look. He just had his it eyes closed, man. Let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe he was really concentrating. I think someone like Obama, even, they, they were more active. They got more done. They have more time in their days to do things. Like, if I was Ramaswamy, I feel like there was a big miscomment. During the debate, I would have said something like, you know, you know, I would say this to Joe Biden, but we all know he's asleep by now. It's past his bedtime. Like, comments like that, I feel like, would play really well because that's his advantage. It's like, these guys are so, even Trump, he's so old. There's no way that guy could be, you watch Vivek, you're like, this guy is an Energizer Bunny for 15 hours a day. He's fucking rocking and people rolling. Like he funny built, people like funny people. That and is I think, true. I think the other thing is, like, you got to remember Barack Obama. He was Barack Obama's vice president, and Barack Obama was from Mal- It was from Hawaii, which I like. That's oh, crazy. God. That, that's a really good point, Pratik. I wanted he to say, really I, hates Hawaiians, man. He's just I, like, I have a, I have a gaffe on the other scar. side uh, okay, to yeah, sort of close here. things out. So on the Republican side, the big gaffe of the week, I think, was Marjorie Taylor Greene photoshopping herself into the Fulton County mugshot of Donald Trump supporters. So MTG just wants to be noticed so badly by Trump and everyone else, and he doesn't care about her. And that's the sad (laughs) thing. It's like MTG is like the ultimate, like, oh, Trump, pick me. Pick me, I'll be your VP. I'll be anything you want me to be. And then he's like, I don't I don't even care about you. Like, <laughs> move aside. Yeah. Like, I feel like if MTG was ever going to be a political boon for Trump, he would almost be like some sort of vampire that would just suck any, like, national praise right out of her and then just leave her in the dust. And she'd be like, oh, Trump, please, I'll Photoshop myself into, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just think she's... Yeah, as of now, he's she's not even worth stepping on for Trump. How sad is that? She's really not... And, and then she had beef with Bobert, and like that's I don't know. You say what you want about the squad on the Democrat side a couple of years back with AOC, uh, Talib, and others, but at least like there weren't really any cat fights. They were never really going oh, after but, each yeah. other. 
But for they MTG weren't going and after each other. Definitely. I don't know about that, Derek. I think they were going after each other. But Dude, hey, Bobert was like cussing MTG out. MTG on the on the uh, house floor bad. or whatever cussed out, but like they were going at it. <laughs> so Dude, I don't know, and you man. know what's funny? Bobert looks like the Republican version of AOC, man. It's so she crazy to me. Like she you look does. up Bobert and then you look up AOC and you're like, man, they look kind of similar and they're on the opposite side, literally accomplishing the same purpose. You know what's so interesting? We One final thought to kind of close things out. All the time we kind of think of who should the VP be, right? For Biden, which it's like, okay, you need a woman who's multiracial. Great. Check the box. Good. Um, for Obama, it was like, all right, Obama, you're you're young. You're a minority. You need a boring old white guy. That's Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Check. Done. For it's Trump, it's matters. like, Trump, you are too out there. Mike Pence, he's, he's kind of like your social conservative guy. Check the box. And for Trump right now, like, who does it really make sense to have as his VP this time around? Because, for example, John McCain was like, you know, kind of a boring guy in some ways and so it's like you go for sarah palin populist woman you do that who is like the compliment to trump now because it's not going to be mike pence and it's not going to be anyone else it's like ramaswamy right so i guess what you guys have been saying about ramaswamy funnily enough i think if he toned it down a lot i think trump would pick him because he's, he's young not. he's a minority but, but now the same y- time, y'all's criticism though he's is not trump like is that not the and same trump, anymore exactly and trump also or tyler also made the really good point which is trump doesn't want to share the spotlight and ramaswamy does he's a figure that is charismatic that is out there that wants that spotlight so i don't think he would ever pick him just because of that until i thought about that i was totally on the board i was like oh of course he's gonna be bp he checks all the boxes like you said but it's it's not just the young old dynamic it's the energy, the high versus low energy, the how much attention you need versus how much you're getting. Trump would need, look, if, you, if they're standing next to each other on a stage and Vivek outshines Trump, Trump's going to fucking shoot his ass. Like, he, he's going to blow up. That's not something he let's, would ever Let's tolerate. have a running bet on this. I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that Donald Trump is going to choose Vivek Ramaswamy as vice president. Y'all I just don't, don't know that. who else he would pick. So, so that's my issue right now. I don't know bet. who else he would pick. I, I can't bet because I don't I don't know that you're wrong. I mean, I kind end, of agreed with you. It's just I think the point I'm making stands. I just don't know who the alternative maybe is. Maybe it's Ron sense. DeSantis, dude. Dude, if I was Trump, I would choose Ron DeSantis. What does he add, I guess, to his campaign? Kamala That's Harris not, like, insulted Joe Biden. She ended yeah, up being his like, vice president, and she insulted him more than any other Democrat insulting in him in that primary cycle. No, but Trump to the point where know, it was like dude, Biden really? can overlook that stuff. Trump doesn't. Trump doesn't do the same thing. He holds well, at grudges. least at least he knows that uh, they're not going to be like Mike Pence. I mean, there's something else to offer. Ron DeSantis is going to win you votes. Mike Pence never brought Donald Trump votes. And if you can't bring Donald Trump votes, why the hell would he choose him as his vice president? Not, and not what now. I would tell he you. He did in 2016. He did. About, he brought him votes. We talked we know about he did. this three episodes ago. But what I would say is what I would say again, like if Mike Pence didn't, if he, Mike Pence just ca- categorized how he, what he said on January 6th, where he's like, maybe we need to look at these the, you know, results again just to confirm before I am able to accept the nomination. All he had to do was that, he'd still be his vice president. But because Mike Pence decided to make it all about him, he's not vice president anymore. And as much as people like to talk about, you know, how Mike Pence did the right thing, well, if Mike Pence did the right thing, he could have said the same exact stuff in a different way and he'd still be on the same, you know, coattails of Donald Trump to be the next future president. You know who Trump should pick? I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. You know who he should pick? 
Who should he pick? Wrong. Hillary Clinton. Yes. <laughs> I like the it. ultimate comeback. And with that, let's close out our show there. Thank you all for tuning in, talking about the debate with us. Um, please follow, please share. Like I mentioned before, we're on TikTok at Not Fake News. Check us out there. We really appreciate your support. Please share with all your friends. You know, uh, we're out here just trying to make a reasonable conversation a part of the zeitgeist. We're trying here, so to make podcasts great again, man. Yes. Well, we're not trying. We are. And with that, thank you for tuning in. Catch you next week.